0: So we're gonna go into the word this morning. So I want you to take out your Bibles, and this is a message that God's just put on my heart, and it's laid on my heart. And, and so let's just close our eyes, and we, we're gonna commit this word to God this morning. Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you, Lord, that you are good to us. We thank you, Lord God, that you've given us your word and I pray, Lord God, that even as I speak your word today, you will unpack it through me. I pray, Lord God, that you will speak, Lord God, your, your truth into our hearts. I pray for, that you will open up our hearts to hear what you want us to hear. And I pray for your grace and your blessings, Lord God, as I share, speak to us, Lord God, give us ears to hear. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, as I drive around, My heart goes out for people in our community who are unemployed. And this week as I was driving here one day, I was driving down this road here, and there was a lady standing at the side at the traffic circle there, and she had a little sign to say, please help me with work. And my heart went out to her, and then a little bit later I drove past again, and now this was kind of a bit later, so she was sitting on the floor holding up her sign, because obviously her legs had got tired. And a little bit later, she was gone, and I'm hoping she got work. And there was a story told by a, the guy who founded Nando's. Who likes Nando's? Okay, if you look under your chair, you won't find Nando's. Um, so he was one of the founders of Nando's. And this was quite a few years ago. Because, you know, you see, we see in Parklands, we, we did a prayer walk a couple of weeks back where we prayed over those people in Parklands, standing on street corners looking for work. If you go to Builder's Warehouse, you'll find the guys there, plumber, electrician, tiler, and guys are looking for work. And so a few years ago, quite a few years ago, this co-owner of Nando's, at that stage they only had a few Nando's stores. And so he was driving in his Bucky from one store to another in Johannesburg. And he got to one of the robots where all these guys were standing looking for work. And he, he was there, his window was wound down, he was listening to the radio, and a guy came to the window and said, Can I have some work, please? And he went, No, no. He was kind of busy in his own mind, no. And the guy said, Please, I need work. And he said, No. And he kind of focused on when's the robot going to change and didn't think anything of it. Next second he no, knew, he felt like a, kind of a movement on his bucky, and he looked in the rearview mirror, and the guy had climbed into his bucky. So he's like, so he pulls over and he says, what are you doing? And the guy, it's a young man, said, I need work. I'm desperate for work. I'll go with you. Even if you only pay me a little, I need work. I've been waiting for so long. I need work. And the guy had such compassion on this young man. He could see there was a hunger in him. There was a, a, a determination in him that he, he said, okay, come. And so he took him through, and I don't know quite what work he did, but he started off doing some work, paying him a little bit, and eventually that same young man grew to become one of the marketing managers for Nando's. And that's an amazing story of of just how determination and that that, that young man wasn't going to give up. There was a hunger and a passion in him to grow, to be better, to develop, to not accept Him standing next to the road. Now, the title of my sermon today is In the Vineyard. In the Vineyard. And so I want you to think about yourself this morning. Are you that kind of person? Are you like that young man who's determined? Are you like that young man who's hungry? I want you to be hungry. I want you to be hungry for God. I want you to be hungry for the things of God. If God was driving a bucky past, I want you to climb in that bucky and say, I'm not moving right now. I'm gonna go where you're going. And that's what we're talking about this morning. So we're going to a similar picture to this young man standing at the side of the road in Matthew chapter 20. So go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. And this is a very similar story. This is Jesus telling a story In Matthew chapter 20, verse one. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning, and they say this early in the morning was about 6 a.m., so early in the morning, to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, And a denarius a day was kind of the common sort of basic daily wage that that was sort of an acceptable daily wage. Um, He sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, about 9 a.m. now, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour, which was about noon, And the ninth hour, about 3 p.m., he did the same. And about the 11th hour, 5 p.m., sort of an hour before the end of the day, hour before sunset, he went out and he found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you, go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, verse 8, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, those who had been hired at 6 a.m. in the morning, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last, to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Verse 16, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. Lord, bless the reading of your word. So this is God's word. This is a picture that Jesus is talking about, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. What does this look like? And we're going to unpack this a little bit this morning. That landowner was the master of of a field, it sounds like. He was, he potentially had a harvest that he was trying to harvest. That's why you would go out and get so many workers, because it was time for the harvest. But as we think of harvest, sometimes that goes a little over our heads, right? Because I don't know you, I've tried to grow vegetables and there was zero harvest. Okay? I know some of us, like Nikki Jones, brilliant with harvest knows harvest, understands the principles of sowing and reaping and harvest and all the work that it takes. But for us, it kind of, when, when we hear about harvest, we're like, what does this mean? What is this referring to? And these scriptures sometimes go over our heads a little bit. But I want to say that the harvest is your dad, who you've been praying for for years. It might be your brother or your cousin who's gripped by some sort of addiction. It might be your sister who's sick, facing some battle. It might be your children who are following their own path or you're saying, Lord, I'm crying out to you for my children. I'm crying out to you for their salvation. I'm crying out to you for the journey in their lives that they should be journeying. It might be the person without work it might be the person who's, who's, who's hungry for more and just stuck. It might be that person who is going about all the wrong things, trying to do things all the wrong way, according to the ways of the world. That's the harvest. The harvest are those who are lost. That's the harvest. And the Lord says that the harvest is ready. He says that he wants to bring in the harvest, He wants to give hope where there's hopelessness. He wants to give life where there's death. He wants to give joy where there's mourning. That's what he's wanting to do. He's the Lord of the harvest. There's a harvest of souls out there. If you look around you, we've got a great community here, right? But there's so many people out there who are lost, who the harvest that God's called us to So the landowner goes into the marketplace, and he's looking for workers to bring in the harvest. He's there looking for workers. And you'll see, he went out five times. He went at 6 a.m., and he said to the guys, one denarius, you come, you work for me for the day, one denarius. They agreed. He went out at 9, he went out at 12, he went out at 3, and he said, I will pay you what's right. And they said, cool. And they were there. They climbed in the bucky, and they went. Okay, they didn't have buckies in those days, but imagine and they went. The, the guys who were hired at 5 p.m., you, if you read the scripture, it didn't, he didn't make any promises. He just says, come, I'll give you work. And he didn't promise. He didn't say, I'll pay you what's right or anything. He just, I mean, come into the vineyard. And he took them into the vineyard. And they worked probably an hour, those guys. So I want you to think something, just notice something about this master. This master of the vineyard. He goes out into the marketplace himself. Now we read later in that story that he had a foreman. Remember, when he had to pay the guys, he called the foreman, "Let's, we're going to pay them." And it makes sense logically that he would send the foreman to go, "Okay, I need guys, go fetch some guys, take the bucky," and but he didn't. He went himself, again and again and again. You also read the story and you think, surely if he's this great, wise master, landowner, he's got these fields, these vineyards ready for the harvest, you would think he would know, okay, it's harvest time. This is how many guys I need for the harvest. This is how long it's gonna take. If I need 50 guys at the start of the day, let me go, at 6 a.m., I'll get more work out of them. Let me load them all up into the bucky and go. That's what you think. But he didn't. He went again. And again and again. And if you think about this carefully and you look at it, it's because, why did he do that? It's because there was a compassion in his heart for the people. It was a compassion in his heart for those people who were lost, those people who were standing idle. That's why he went. You can imagine him, he's like, these guys are standing here, they're standing here all day in the hot sun and they're looking for work. I don't know if you've ever been unemployed. I was unemployed many years back for six months. And there's certain something that happens to you because there's a a, a feeling of worthlessness that comes on you. There's a feeling of shame that comes on you because you want to provide for your family. There's a feeling of desperation you want to provide. And so you can imagine this landowner. He's out there and he is... Knocking on the, uh, he's, he's seeing these guys and he's seeing the hope in their hearts, but he's also seeing the fear that they were gonna go home to their families with nothing. And that's why he goes again and he draws some more and he's hoping maybe that other people come and collect the other guys. He gets there at 12, there's still some guys. He gets there at three, there's still some guys. He gets there at five and there's still guys standing idle and he draws them in. And so I want you to see the compassion of this master that he was gonna make sure these guys were, were, had dignity, that they could go home with a smile on their faces saying, I worked today, I achieved, here's the money, we can buy food tonight. That's the compassion of the master. That's the compassion of our Lord. That's the heart he carries. He is going out there. He wants to see the lost brought in. So that's the master. Now let's think of the men the men standing idle in the marketplace. They were standing there, and they were looking for work. Now, I wanna turn the mirror a little bit to you. Say, this is uncomfortable, okay? Say, this is uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable, okay? I wanna turn the mirror to you, because sometimes we are like those men. We're standing idle. God's given us the harvest. The harvest, the fields are there. They're ready, but we're standing. That's awkward. That's some of us where the kingdom is there, the harvest is there but we're standing idle. For some of us, the kingdom is there, the harvest is there but we're busily idle. We're about all the wrong things. You know, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing that, we're putting the value here, we're trying to build this. And we're not building what God's put in our hearts. He's not we're not building what God's called us to build. And so we're busy, but we may as well be idle because we're not in the harvest that he's called us to. As I was praying about this word, there's a third category of people that I believe God sort of put his finger on and those who are idle because of a barrenness that you're facing. And that might be a barrenness in your actual womb, but it might be a barrenness in a relationship where it's just dry, there's nothing. It might be barrenness in your finances. It might be barrenness in your work where you've been trying and working, but you've not been achieving. It might be barrenness in your business where you've been trusting God for breakthrough and there's no breakthrough. So I want us all just to stand. This is not the end of the sermon, so don't get excited. (laughs) But I want us to stand. Because I do believe these passages of Scripture, these, these, these three points I've made about some who's standing idle and the kingdom is out there and we should be in the harvest field. Some who are idle because they're busily idle. Some who are idle because they're barren. And I believe that applies to each one of us in a different way. And so let's just pray. And I want to pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for every person here. And Lord, we stand here before you, Lord God, and we don't want to be idle. Lord, we don't want to be found just standing at the edge of the road, Lord God. We want to be about your business. Father, I pray, Lord, this, that you will show us, inspire us, ignite something in us. Secondly, Lord God, I pray that if we're busy about the wrong things, that you will show us. I pray, Lord God, that you will help realign things, if our focus isn't where it should be father and lastly lord god and maybe if that is you and we just everyone's eyes are closed if that is you and you're feeling barren there's an area of your life where you're feeling barren can i ask you just to as a step of faith raise your hand i'm I'm not going to make you sing or do anything just raise your hand if that's you and what I want us to do is just to, just to stand, as, as they stand standing with their arms raised, I want us to extend our faith towards them. And Lord God, right now, I declare, Lord God, your presence. Lord, we speak against that barrenness. Lord, that barrenness in relationships, that barrenness in marriages, that barrenness in, in children, that barrenness, Lord God, in our finances, that barrenness in our work, that barrenness in our lives, Lord God, I declare, Lord God, your fullness. Lord, we, in the name of Jesus, break off that barrenness and we declare fruitfulness. I declare the fruitfulness of Jesus in that life, in that marriage. We declare fruitfulness over that relationship. We declare fruitfulness in those finances. We declare fruitfulness in that job, in that business. Lord, we declare your perfect presence. And Lord, we pray, Lord God, that you will come in power. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that you do not want us to walk in barrenness. Lord, but you want us to walk in faithfulness and in fruitfulness. And we declare that over their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. So the men were standing. Now, what about the work? They were hired to potentially bring in the harvest, and there is a harvest, as I explained, that God's got for us. And there's a time for harvest. And that time for harvest is it's often a small amount of time because you need to reap those crops quickly before they, if you're thinking of grapes, they're going to, at some stage, if they're too ripe, they're going to fall onto the ground. Or if they're too ripe, they're going to kind of become raisins. Okay, And so you have to reap the harvest at the right time. My wife and I were watching a documentary this week about olives, in Italy. And for olives, you have to, you, the olives have to be shaken off of the tree at the right time. And then within that same day, they need to be taken to the, the, the press and squeezed for the olive oil in that same day. Otherwise, it's spoilt. And so there's a harvest. And when there's a harvest, there's the time for the harvest and there's pressure for that harvest. And I believe we're in that season now of harvest where God wants to bring the harvest. So go in your Bible to Matthew 9. Matthew 9, verse 35. Verse 35 of Matthew 9 says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. It reminds me of that master looking at the idle men. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful. God needs you and I as laborers to be praying for the harvest. God needs you and I as laborers to be willing to go into the harvest. Go to John four, also verse 35. John four, verse 35 says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. And see that the fields are white for harvest. And I believe this is the season God's got us in. This COVID season has been a stirring. It's created a whole lot of things. But I believe God's bringing the harvest. At the prayer meeting on Tuesday night that day, on Monday night that Dave was leading, he prayed for the church and he prayed for the harvest that God had prepared. And Oscar had a vision And he said, I'm gonna quote him here, he said, I had a vision of a vineyard, a big one. There were a group of people picking the fruit, and the crop was as beautiful, and it was ready. God's speaking to us about the harvest. We're not meant to be idle. God's been speaking to me about preparing the nets for the harvest, okay? Different to not grapes, but nets, but fish. But it's the same thing. And part of what I want us to do is we're preparing the nets as a church for the harvest. But we also, part of that preparing the nets, those nets, if you think of a net, it's got a knot that holds the the parts of the net together. And those knots are our relationships, your relationships in your family, our relationships with one another. And I believe God's challenging us to strengthen those, those nets so that we can hold the harvest. God's challenging us as a church to make sure we're growing our connect groups, so we can have the harvest, so that we're growing our team so that we can have the harvest. That's the season God's got us in. And it's an exciting season. So if we think about this harvest, a harvest is two things. A harvest is God's provision for us. So say I was really good at growing tomatoes, which I'm not. But say I was really good at growing tomatoes and I had this amazing, I'd been nurturing these tomatoes in my garden and the dogs had not destroyed them and I had not forgotten about them. And so these, these amazing tomatoes. And so I take this harvest and I harvest these tomatoes and I polish them up nicely and they're beautiful tomatoes. A harvest is God's provision for me, right? Okay, yes. But a harvest is also God's blessing to others. Because now I've got tomatoes to give. Okay, unfortunately I don't. But I've got tomatoes to give. And so that's the point of the harvest. So if you look at this parable we're looking at of Jesus, he's, there's the blessing of the harvest of what they're harvesting, but there's also the blessing in the lives of those who are harvesting it. And so as we prepare ourselves for the harvest, God's gonna be at work because He wants to bring blessing on you and He wants to bring blessing through you into the lives of others. And that's what I'm seeing over you as we spoke about barrenness. As God brings a fruitfulness, it's for you, but it's to flow beyond you into the lives of other people. Because as we give testimony of God's goodness, God changes things. I mean, I shared at the start, we've got two people here who've, who've been really battling sickness, but they're here, they're standing. God's making them stronger. God's at work. So I'm gonna close with five key points that I want you to remember from the story. The first one is that the master went out each time. He went out each time and he spoke to the laborers and he was looking for those willing to serve. And I believe that's what God's doing right now. He's walking and he's saying, who's ready? Which laborers are ready for the harvest? Which laborers are ready to get their hands dirty in the harvest? And I believe that's what he's doing. He's walking and he's, he's looking and he's saying, is that you? And he's not, he's not expecting you to be perfect. He's not expecting you to know all the answers. People are always nervous when I say, who's going to pray? Like I picked on poor Dean this morning. Because like, oh, I, I, I've not done that. But God's wanting us to grow. God's wanting us to do new things. And he's wanting us to get our hands dirty. So the master went out each time. The second point is the master went out at different hours of the day. And so that speaks to a couple of things to me. It speaks to the fact of, for some of us, we've been Christians. I've been a Christian since the age of eight. And so I'm like established in my ways. And, and, and I, I believe, believe God's, God's the in the harvest. Harvest. He's, he's gonna bring the person who was saved yesterday and we have to rejoice in that we have to not go oh but i'm more special because i've been saved since i was 8 no i'm a child before god and so we need to celebrate the harvest we also those different hours speak to me of the fact that god's going to work in different ages of people you're not it's not too late i'm 21 and I've got many years ahead of me, <laughs> 51. Um, so for each of you, it's not too late. It might, be, it might feel like you've been standing there and you're like, Lord, what, what's, what's with me? What's, what, what have you got for me? What, I'm standing here next to the road, Lord. But that bucky is there. He's wanting you to climb on. So it's not too late. So the master went out each time The master went out at different hours. The third point is that the work was not equal to the worth. In their market-related minds, the workers who worked longer saw themselves as deserving more reward. They went like, we've been working since 6 a.m., and so we should be paid more than those guys who came at 5 p.m. They defined their worth in terms of how much they got paid. They were like... You only paid me one denarius. You paid those guys one denarius. Surely I'm worthy of more. And so we do the same. We define our worth by how much we get paid, by the title we carry, by the salary we earn, by the car we drive, the size of our house, the size of our bank account. But Jesus turns all of this on its head He doesn't define our worth by those things. He defines our worth by, are we there? Are we there in the vineyard? Are we there with our hearts? That's what defines our worth. So work is not equal to to worth. No matter what you do, you are loved and worthy unto God. My fourth and second last point is, don't be a complainer. So think of this picture, that master calls all the workers to now get payment. Now, it would have been logical, right, to say, because if he knew he was gonna pay them all the same, he would have said, okay, you guys, Tebs, you started working at six in the morning, here's your one denarius, goodbye. And he paid the first ones and then the second ones, and then no one would complain, right? There'd be no strike, there'd be no national shutdown, it would be fine. But what did he do? He turned it around. He said, the, first, the people last must be paid first. And then all the other guys are going, hey, one denarius for those guys. And they were kind of going, doing their calculations. Okay, so I should receive like five denarius by the time, you know. And then they get one and they, ah, they're complaining, they're upset. And so let's not be complainers. The complainers obeyed the will of the father, but they sought to dictate to the, to the farmer, to the master, to the master what was just and fair. We are not the master. That Bill Hybel sermon I mentioned last time, it, it, it said that he actually said, God does not work for us. Okay, I want you to let that echo through your soul. God does not work for us, we're not his boss. So God's gonna do things differently. He's gonna work in your life differently. And our job is to not be the complainer, but to understand that he's fair. He's fair, he's just, and he rewards, I mean, the good side of that is he rewards even when we come in at the 11th hour. We may have messed up in our lives, but he's still faithful even at the 11th hour. And that's my last point this morning, compassionate grace. We see in this passage of scripture, God's grace at work, his unmerited favor. Even those who came in at the 11th hour, he gave them one denarius. And that's God saying to us, to you and I, that his grace is sufficient, even when we've messed up, even when we've made mistakes, even when we've been idle, doing the wrong things, his grace is sufficient. I want us to carry that compassion, that compassionate grace with us into our lives. I heard an amazing story this week. Our our, our pantry ladies, um, Auntie Maya, Lorraine, um, Vanessa, and I'm probably forgetting a few, they've been doing an amazing job knitting beanies and so we took 60 beanies with to the children's home when we went to Wellington, and they were so excited about those. But this week, they were, the ladies were out in the streets, and they were literally going to the homeless people in their little tents next to the road, and they were giving them beanies. Amen. And they had a, sent a few photos. So if you see a homeless guy with a beanie, thank you, Every Nation West Coast. Thank you, Pantry Ladies. And what it is, it's just one small compassionate thing where they took time and effort to love on someone. And I want to challenge us to be those people, to be the compassionate. So as I close, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in them. We're meant to be in the vineyard. We're meant to be in the vineyard doing what God's called us to do. We're meant to be out there doing what God's called us. I spoke about love last time. We're meant to be loving people. We're meant to be, be getting our hands dirty in the world around us, saying there's homelessness. Lord, how do we solve that? Let's not just complain about the homeless. Let's say, Lord, what can we do? Amen. The Israelites, they had hard seasons. They had oppression. They had exile. But there was a season where they stepped into the promised land. There was a season where God showed his abundance. We've had hard seasons. This last while has been hard seasons. You know, we've got, we've had COVID. Then you had high petrol prices. Then you had high food prices. And it's been seasons of those things which can push you down. But I believe God's bringing the harvest. And so what I want us to do is to not to look at those things, but to look at our God who's bigger, our God who's at work, our God who's got a vineyard that we can walk in. If you think of a vineyard, what do you see? His abundance. And so God's got that abundance for us and for us to rise up. So let's stand. Let's actually rise up. If I can ask someone just to be on guitar or So God's calling you and I into the harvest, into the vineyard. He's calling us to take who you are. Remember, this guy didn't go to the guy at the 11th hour and say, can you clean? I don't know. Can you pick grapes? No. Come. And that, I believe that's the heart of God. God. And so he's saying to each one of us, come, let's do what God's called us to do. Let's rise up in this generation and be the church. Let's rise up in this generation and be love. Let's rise up in this generation and reach into the hearts and lives of others. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of the harvest. Lord, I thank you that you're calling us to step into the vineyard. I thank you, Lord God, that you're calling us, Lord God, to do what you have called us to do in the world around us. And I pray, Lord God, that you will light that fire in us, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will rush upon us. Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord God, that you will, even as we go into this week, that you will embolden us to speak life. Lord, that you will help us, Lord God, to, to, to extend your grace in situations to extend your love in situations, to have that compassion of that master. And Lord, I pray over every single life, Lord God, that, Lord, that you will bring an overflow. Lord, you will bring an abundance. And Lord, you will help us to not only bring in the harvest, but Lord, experience your love as we do so. In Jesus' name.